Presented by the United States Sentencing Commission, this is Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast for federal sentencing practitioners covering topics of interest. Here are your hosts, Ebisei Biyisa and Krista Rubin. Ebisei, you know, we've mentioned that um, there are several Supreme Court decisions related to the categorical approach. And in this episode, we're going to spend some time talking about one in particular. And uh, the case we're going to be talking about is Mathis versus the United States. So why don't we talk about Mr. Mathis? Mr. Mathis, right. Mathis uh, versus the United States is a Supreme Court case that came out in 2016. Um, And I can say that for me, it pretty much blew up my entire training PowerPoint on categorical approach because it introduced... Uh, a new topic, or rather it refined uh, an idea that the Supreme Court had been working on for about three years before. Okay. Um, But I think it's, because it's such an important case, and I think it really has taught us a lot about how to do the categorical approach, I think it might be worth spending just a little bit of time talking about the case to lead us into sort of our next topic, right? Which is, you know, last uh, episode we talked about well, what do you do if your statute gives you options? You can commit it intentionally or recklessly, right? You can burglarize a house or a car. So what do you do with those or statutes, the ones that are disjunctive? Um, I think Mathis, just going through Mathis and talking about the case maybe helps us a little bit. Great. So like I said, Mathis came out uh, in June of 2016. I was actually at a training when it came out. So I remember this. So Mathis, just by way of background, is a case involving ACCA, right? ACCA. And so Mr. Mathis was convicted of felon in possession, and his guidelines were 33 months. Okay. Okay. But the court found uh, that he had three prior burglaries, Iowa burglary convictions, and the district court found those all to be violent felonies under ACCA. The, the court said, um, you've got these burglaries. ACCA says burglaries are violent felonies. You've got three. So his sentence went up to basically 15-year mandatory. Okay. Okay. And so, as you mentioned, the Iowa burglary statute says you cannot unlawfully enter mm-hmm. into an occupied structure. Right. And that encompasses building, structure, land vehicle, water vehicles, air vehicles, whatever. Sheds, Sheds. all of those things. And the court, how did the court decide, yes, this Iowa burglary statute, the district court, how did they say, okay, this is a violent felony? Well, what they said was this. They said, all right, Mr. Mathis, we see you've got these three Iowa burglaries, right? So we're going to do the categorical approach. We're going to print out the Iowa statute, and then we're going to print out the definition, and we're going to compare. So the court did that, and it said, oh, so here's the holdup, right? In Iowa, you can burglarize a building or, let me get back, right? The definition, we talked about the generic definition, it has to be burglary of a building or structure. Right. Okay. So it can't be a car, it can't be a boat, right? Right. Um, and again, the Supreme Court has sort of changed it up a little bit, but 
back in Mathis, it had to be a building or structure. Right. And they recognized that the Iowa burglary statute did criminalize buildings and structures, but also all these other things. Right. Boats and cars. So they said, hmm, well, we're not going to know what you burglarized, right, unless we look at the documents, right? We got to look to see what you pled guilty to. Right. So they actually pulled up his plea agreements or and the indictments, and it made it clear that he did actually burglarize homes, buildings, right? So they said, okay, this Iowa burglary statute lists gives, gives you options, right? There's an or here between building or structure or car or airplane or boat. And because it gives you that or, it's disjunctive, that means it's divisible, right? I don't know if people remember, but early on when we talked about the three things to remember, we said, hey, there's these, there may be times when you can look at these other documents. And so the district court said this is one of those times right? because this statute has options. Has options, And right? I need to figure out what you did. What you did. How are we going to know? Right. So they did. They looked at the documents and they said, yep, you, Mr. Mathis, agreed and pled guilty to burglarizing buildings and structures. So in your case, this meets the definition. He got 15 years. He appeals to the Eighth Circuit. And the Eighth Circuit says, well, how else are we going to know what you did if we don't look at these documents, right? Mr. Mathis's argument in the Eighth Circuit is something like this, right? We know in the categorical approach, you're, not, you're generally not supposed to look at facts, right? right? And we know that, yes, there may be times, like you mentioned, where you can look at some other documents, like your plea agreement. And we'll talk about those documents in the next episode. But Mathis's argument was, hey, wait a minute. In my case, in Iowa, you can't look at the documents because it's not divisible, right? He's, his argument is, this is not one of those times when you can look at the underlying documents. And the Eighth Circuit pretty much said, well, how else are we supposed to know what you did. I think it's important to note that at the time that the Eighth Circuit uh, did its decision around 2015, a lot of circuits were doing this, right? Yes. So I don't want to give anybody the impression that the Eighth Circuit was sort of out on its own. Right. A lot of circuits said, look, if you have a statute that says you could do it this way or this way, we're not going to know which one of these ways you did it unless you go deeper and look at the documents. Right or use the modified categorical right. approach. And so the Eighth Circuit affirmed his 15-year sentence. So like, remember, this man went from 33 months to 15-year mandatory. Right. Okay. So then he goes to the Supreme Court. All right. And the Supreme Court actually rules with Mathis, right? And so what you're telling me is the Supreme Court says in Mathis... The Iowa burglary statute is not burglary. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. And they get there because I think Mathis, why it's important is that it really refined to us, uh, to me at least, 
how to decide divisibility, or in other words, how to decide when you can look at those other documents. Right? Okay. And so let's talk a little bit about what divisible means. Okay. So the Supreme Court said, Eighth Circuit, you were wrong in looking at the documents. Right. Because Iowa burglary is not divisible. Right. So, I guess to use the converse, right, we know that when a statute is divisible, and this is, again, pre-Mathis, we used to say, I remember when I practiced, if there was an or in there, right, we used to say, oh, it's divisible. So we have to look at the statute, I mean, at the documents, like your plea agreement or the indictment, to see what you did, right? Because you can only look at those other documents if something is divisible. Right. And what Mathis said is, Eighth Circuit, you were wrong because you looked at these documents, but this is not a divisible statute. Okay. And so if the term or is not, doesn't mean necessarily that it's divisible. Right. What does it mean to be divisible? So what Justice Kagan said in Mathis is, look, the first thing you have to decide is whether something is divisible and what that means is, does it list different elements, right? Is it different crimes? Okay. Is it, is burglary of a building or structure different from burglary of a, a car, right? In other words, is the place that you burglarize, is that an element, right? And I know we spent a lot of time talking about element when we were talking about the force clause. But I think sometimes it is important to just spend a little bit of time, you know, just talking about the elements. And here, what Justice Kagan said is, the element is occupied structure, right? That's what you're not allowed to burglarize. The occupied structure is what's listed in the burglary statute. Okay. Occupied structure we know is defined as a building, a structure, a car, a boat, and all those other things, right? And so what the Supreme Court says is, Eighth Circuit, you, you did it wrong, right? Because you decided something was divisible when it isn't divisible, right? Occupied structure, that building, car, boat, whatever, that's all one definition. So... It is not a divisible statute. So, so what you're saying is that in Iowa, when the prosecutor is proving someone guilty of Iowa burglary, the jury doesn't have to be unanimous on whether it was a building versus a car. Right. Because it's not an element that they have to prove. Right. All they have to prove is whether it was an occupied structure. So if some people on the jury thought, oh, they burglarized the house, and other people on the jury thought, oh, they burglarized the car in the garage. Sure. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And in fact, Justice Kagan in Mathis says, look, I found all these cases in Iowa <laughs> that said, we don't, you don't have to prove which which specific occupied structure you burglarized, right? We only care that it was one of these things. 
And as long as the jury is can all convince that it was at least one of these things and not like, I don't know, a spaceship or something, then it's an occupied structure. And because it's not just the point of Mathis is this, right? That divisibility doesn't just mean you have the word or in your statute. Okay. Or even more, that a statute is listed as like bullets one, two, three, or A, B, C, or I and double I, right? right? It's not the structure of the statute or the wording of the statute that makes something divisible. It's what that means. It's whether or not those or those options represent elements. Are they different crimes? Versus what you're saying, different ways to commit one crime. Right, burglary, right? All of those things, all of those ways of the, the car and the boat and the building are all ways to commit one crime. Right. They are not different crimes. And I think in, in, in Justice Kagan's opinion, she refers to them as means. Means. So means are ways mm -hmm. to commit one crime, whereas if you have different elements, that means that that statute involves separate and distinct crimes. Right. With different elements that have to be proven to the jury. And that's really the core of what divisible means. That's why we care about divisibility. Right, because all of these documents, right, that people want to look at to see like, well, which one of these things, how did you commit this crime? What did you, I mean, the Eighth Circuit is like, well, how are we supposed to know what Mathis burglarized without looking at these documents? Which sounds very logical, except that we're in categorical approach <laughs> land. Um, and that, you know, Math uh, Mathis's point and, and Justice Kagan's point is, you looked at the documents without determining whether something was divisible. Right? You didn't do the divisibility analysis right. And that's why it's important because you can't look at the jury. I mean, you can't look at the indictment or the plea colloquy or the plea agreement or all those other Shepard documents that we're going to talk about without first deciding if something is divisible. And I think that's why math is important because divisibility now became like part of our vocabulary. Right. And I think Mathis and the Iowa burglary statute is an example of of some of how to do the divisibility analysis. And in this case, Justice Kagan said it's not divisible, right? And so the bottom line really is and why this is important is that if a statute is divisible, you can look at the documents. Yes. The court can look at the documents to determine the elements of what the defendant was convicted of. Right. If, however, the statute is not divisible, the documents are off limits. Off limits. And you can only look at that entire statute. Right. And I know early on we talked about the modified categorical approach, right? The mod we said the categorical approach is you just look at the statute. Right. Don't look at anything else. Forget the facts, right? Right. And I know we had mentioned, well, there are times when you can look at these underlying documents, that's the modified. And I think that's what the Eighth Circuit thought they were doing, right? Okay. I think the Eighth Circuit said, yes, this is when we can do the modified categorical approach. And what Mathis tells us is, you cannot do the modified categorical approach. You cannot look to the documents unless you first determine that a statute is divisible. Okay. And that is Mathis. <laughs>
And it's, it's really important. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes I reread it just because I, I try to remind myself and refresh in my mind how it works. All right. In our next episode, we're going to dive a bit more into what divisibility means. Yep. This wraps up our episode of Sentencing Practice Talk, today brought to you by the United States Sentencing Commission. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check back often for new topics. Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast on federal sentencing issues. Please be advised that information provided by the Commission staff is offered to assist in understanding and applying the sentencing guidelines. The information does not necessarily represent the official position of the Commission, should not be considered definitive, and is not binding upon the Commission, the Court, or the parties in any case. <music>